want to do something a little different today than I've done in the past. We're going to do a little bit of a six-month checkup. you got to go to the dentist for that, you know, get your teeth checked up. You've, hopefully, you go to the doctor once or so a year to get all the poked and prodded and your, who knows what, blood tested and everything else. Um, but there was um, something that we did a little differently at the beginning of this year. Uh, the second Sunday in January, January 13th, I believe, we did what we called kind of a mission Sunday where we just kind of talked about what we were going to be doing for this year. And so I'd kind of like to revisit that. Now, my guess is that many of you weren't here for that because we ended up having like crazy bad weather that day. And uh, most people weren't able to make it. Maybe you watched online. I don't know. Maybe you didn't catch any of it at all. Uh, but let me just kind of bring you up to speed with what I talked about in January. Uh, in March of 2018, uh, we kind of entered into this process where we were going to try to actively pursue being the healthiest church that we could possibly be. And not to say that we were like critically unhealthy or anything like that, but we wanted to make sure that we were healthy, that we were doing what was right. And so uh, what we did was we... Um, took a church-wide kind of survey from an organization called Natural Church Development, and their survey helps rate your church along eight different areas of church health. And these eight are kind of proven to be very important factors in whether a church is healthier or unhealthy. And the way it works is they kind of give you back this big old thing, like here's the eight, here's how you rate and all of them, and then they encourage you to take the one that you're the lowest in, and spend a significant amount of your energy for the next year and a half or two years working on that low point. And the, uh, the illustration that they give for why they encourage that activity is a barrel. You know, barrels have the boards up the side. They're called staves. And it said, if you want to fill a barrel up with water, you're only going to be able to fill it up to the lowest stave, the shortest stave on the side of the barrel. And so they kind of said, whatever your area of least, your least healthy area is, that's as high or as healthy as you can be. It's going to hold everything else back. And so we took the survey and we got our results back and it said that our weakest area was needs-based evangelism. And what that means is that we kind of weren't reaching out with the love of Jesus that, like we were supposed to. We weren't engaging our community, meeting needs in our community for just the sheer desire to show the love of Jesus, to model the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, we weren't taking seriously uh, the command that Jesus gave us to share our faith. Um, because believe it or not, the uh, commands that we have as Christians to share our faith, they don't start with, it'd be nice if you ought to, or maybe you should think about but they're just straight-up commands like so many other commands in the Bible saying these are things that Christians are supposed to have in their lives. And one of the natural things for us is that we're supposed to be so grateful that we've had our sins forgiven, so grateful, so blown away by what God's done in our life that we can't help but want to share that with people. We're supposed to be so understanding of the reality that without Jesus, we are on the hook for our sins, and He takes the punishment for our sins so that we can have freedom and heaven with him. And that reality should drive us out to share our faith. And it also kind of meant that we weren't really equipping people to do that very well. And so we have taken some steps to hopefully be better about that. But I will say this first, and I, told, I said this in January, when we got back, that was our lowest area. I was a little surprised. I'll be honest, I didn't know what it was going to be. But I was surprised that it was that one because this is something that I really, that's kind of my natural focus is to think about new people, people who don't go to church, people who 
used to go to church, had a bad experience, and got turned off. I, I, that's kind of where I, I, I think about, not that I want to neglect the longtime church members, but I just have a heart for those people that, that don't know, don't understand, and in our increasingly unchurched society, I just have a heart for that. And so I was like, this is kind of what I think about. How can this be the low point? And so I thought, I'm going to see if I can look at like some of the numbers that we record here and see if I can find out if that's true or not. And so I started doing a little digging and, on our attendance numbers and stuff like that and to see if, if you know, I thought these, this was legit or not, and, and I found that it was, because as I started digging through our numbers, I found that we had what is called in church circles a front door problem, meaning we were having a hard time getting newer people into our front doors. We weren't taking the gospel out to people and leading them to, to become, you know, people who might want to come here and attend and, and hear about Jesus. Um, a backdoor problem is when you got lots of people coming in, but you can't keep any of them, and they, they come right in one door and out the other, but we had a front door problem. And having first-time guests, I will say this, it's not an automatic indicator of whether or not a church is healthy, but it does say something that, that when we're going out in the community and we're showing the love of Jesus, people are going to start to notice something. When you're so excited about the, the change that he's brought about in your life, you're going to start telling people. And so having a, or a certain number of, of people coming in new every year, it, it really does say something that our, our faith is overflowing from us and we can't contain it. it. It just naturally reaches out to the people that we encounter. And I started doing some research in, you know, okay, how many, how many first-time guests should a church have? And I came across this rule in several different places. I just kept coming across it, that people who kind of study church health and growing churches, they kind of came across, they've kind of put this together, and it says that each year, a church that is, churches that are growing have more guests than their total average church attendance. So whatever we have on an average Sunday, adults, teenagers, and kids, that number, those numbers added together, we should have more guests than that in the course of a year, which meant for us last year, in 2018, we had 122 average attendance, and so we would have had to have had 122 first-time guests to be a growing church in this area. And that might sound like a whole lot, but one of the natural things about a church is that churches are naturally shrinking every year. Because people move away, people pass away, and there's just sort of, you know, factors that at play that kind of churches are naturally shrinking every year. And so just to offset that and, and more to, so we can be a growing church, it says we need on average 122. And so in 2018, here's what we discovered when I looked at it. We had 44 first-time guests. Now, according to this rule, um, that's 36% of what a church our size would need to grow and offset the people that would naturally um, fall away from our church. And that was a little bit discouraging, but it did kind of make me realize, okay, this survey, it really nailed it. Like, that's one of the things that we clearly have a problem with. It's not just backed up by this survey, which I'm honestly not sure how they calculated all the results and stuff, but this was data, that, and I like data. I'm a nerd, okay? I like hard and fast facts, you know? I don't, I don't always believe it when somebody just tells me a story about this thing that happened. I want to hear it. I want to see a video of it kind of a thing, right? And so uh, this kind of showed me, wow, this is really something that we have had a tr uh, trouble with. And again, the, the solution is that we go out, that we share our faith, that we embrace as a church family this calling as Christians to take the gospel to people. Um, in Matthew chapter 4, verses 19, when Jesus is calling his first disciples together, now, mind you, they're fishermen. That's what they did. They went out in a boat every day and caught fish and sold fish. That was their livelihood. And so he puts this in terms they're going to understand. He says, follow me, 
and I will make you fishers of men. He's like, you guys go out and catch fish all day. I'm going to teach you how to reach people. And here's the thing about being a fisherman or a fisherwoman is that aside from Asian carp, I don't know any fish that's eager to jump in the boat. I just, I mean, when it, when you, if you want to go fishing, you got to go to where the fish are. They're not going to come to where you are. And that's kind of, you look at Jesus' ministry, and these guys started traveling. Their hometown was now like a spot on the map. They went out, and some of these, they probably walked more in those three years than they had traveled in the entire rest of their lives as they traveled with Jesus, taking this gospel message to people, this message of hope and grace and salvation, as Jesus talked about what this new kingdom of God was going to be like. And so he says, come on, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And in the world we live in, if the church wants to reach people, if we want to grow, if we want to have a church to hand off to the next generation, that requires evangelizing. And a church that wants to grow or hopes to grow or hopes to even maintain without evangelizing is like sitting down for dinner and waiting for the fish to hop onto your plate. It's just not how it works. And then Jesus makes it even more clear. So this is how he started his ministry with these disciples. This was his first bit of training. But at the very end of his life, the last thing he told them, or at least one of the last things he told them, was a, a very straightforward, detailed command of what they were supposed to do. And at the end of Matthew, Jesus says, says, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Short way to say that is, I'm the boss of everything and everyone. What I say is what should go. He said, I'm the God of the universe, all authority in heaven and on earth. And for heaven, that, the way that typically meant in the Bible was not the heaven where God is, which he was also in charge of that, but it means when you look up at night and you see all the stars and galaxies and whatever that you can see, that's the heavens is what he's talking about. And so he's saying the entire universe is under my domain. I spoke galaxies into existence. If I want the sun to go out, I probably just have to go, and it's gone. He's like, I'm in charge of everything, and so when I tell you guys to do something, I expect you to follow my command. He says, so go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so he tells them, okay, you're going to go, you're going to reach people, you're going to tell them about me and tell them about my salvation, and then you're going to stick around and you're going to instruct them as to what this new life in me looks like, and you're going to help them build a growing, flourishing life with Jesus. It's not just about salvation for later, it's about a better life, a saved life now. And so Jesus gives them this command. And so again, it's not a, boy, it'd be nice if you ought to, Gee, it'd be swell if you would. This is a, my disciples are people that go. In fact, where it says, go and make disciples, a better translation of the original Greek would be, as you go. Meaning, as you're going through life, discipleship should just happen. Evangelism should just kind of naturally flow out of you. Again, imagine your life as a, a cup, and we should be so filled with gratitude for God's grace that the, the gospel just kind of spills out the top. At VBS, we would have uh, one night for the games. I, ha I ran the games for only one night because I'm not very good at it. But we played a, a, w some water races where they'd have to fill up a cup, and they'd race down and dump it in a bucket, and you know, the first one to fill the bucket would win. Kids are lousy at getting water from point A to point B. I mean, 
I know that even when they're not running, they're really bad at it. I mean, even when they're trying to get it all there, they're not very good at it. Um, our walls of our house have just dried milk everywhere. It's like, we're just going to paint over it. We're not even going to try washing it off. It's every day. We just can't afford the water to wipe these walls down every day. And so, um, and so, but watching these kids, like, it was just like, as they went, the water's just dumping out. And some kids, I mean, they'd get there and two drops would come out. That's what they'd have left. But that's kind of what our lives are supposed to be. When we get to the end of our life, we're not supposed to have a full cup. We're supposed to be pouring ourselves out. This grace should be overflowing from us as we go from point A to point B, as you go to work, as you go to the grocery store, as you hang out with your family. It's just supposed to come out of us. That's natural for who we are supposed to be. And so we said six months ago that we wanted to take very seriously this call, this command of Jesus to share the gospel with the world. And so um, one of the first things, actually after, I think it was about June or July, so about a year ago, we've had a, a group of people get together, and we would meet for about the next six months and kind of put together a plan, like how can we do this? What are some ways we can become more healthy in this area? And one of the ways was we just need to talk about it more. We just need to get out there and get, make it a part of our culture, this understanding that Christians share their faith. And so we've tried to talk about it more. I've, I've tried to weave it into sermons more often. Um, another thing we tried to do was help just kind of give instruction on how to share your faith, how to invite people to church. And so at Easter, we gave out invite cards, which isn't unusual. But this year, I actually stopped and said, hey, when you give this to somebody, maybe you could say something like, and try to fill in some of those blanks and, and maybe take out some of that, that fear that might exist in your mind. Because I know that that's there when I want to talk to my uh, other people about my faith. And then um, one thing I, we did a few months ago was I, I talked about evangel evangelism. And kind of, I heard a beautiful, just very simple, three-point little way that you can share your faith with people. If someone says, okay, so you're a Christian, how, why are you a Christian, you know, or how does that happen? If, you, if you're bringing it up in conversation, somebody who doesn't get it is probably going to say, how can you believe this, or why are you the way that you are? They might have a lot of objections to, well, what about the church's stance on this or that, or what about the Christian that I saw on this show, and they said these things, or they did these things, and one way to kind of get to the straight point, and it was beautiful, again, three points, and we talked about this, I forget what week it was, but um, number one, okay, I believe I was put on the world to make it a better place. Most people can get on board with that. Okay, that's fine. That's a good thing to think. Um, number two, I believe love is the best way to make the world a better place. Most people are going to be okay with that too. And then you say, and I believe Jesus Christ is the greatest example of love that has ever existed on our planet, has ever existed on our earth. Because from my beliefs, Jesus came to save me while I was at my worst. He came to save me while I was bad. So those three ways, I believe I was put on the earth to make it a better place. I believe love is the best way to do that, and I believe Jesus is the greatest example of love. Those are, that's, that's a nice, simple, easy-to-remember way that we can share our faith. And so we've tried to weave things like that more into what we do here on a typical Sunday morning. So the question is, in six months, how are we doing? That's what this checkup is for, how we get our hands on the pulse of what we're doing here. Have we taken this responsibility to heart? Have we been reaching out? Have we been trying to lead people to Christ and maybe even invite them to church so they can hear more about Jesus? Well, okay, for the last half, let's revisit what we talked about. For the last half, or for the entire, excuse me, half of, gosh, the entire half, yes, the entire whole of 2018, we had 44 guests. And the reason I wanted to talk about this today because I ran the numbers the other day, and just in the first half of this year, we've already beat last year, which is awesome. That's amazing that we've gone, I mean, 
I mean, we, we've already blown last year out of the water. I mean, uh, if, if we keep on pace, that's 100% improvement, which is unfathomable from, you know, what we were thinking when we were trying to just improve this. We thought it would be a, a much slower turnaround. And, you know, yeah, the first part of the year, half of those numbers came on Easter. You say, well, that's a big day, so it's not, we're not going to make that up. We're not going to double that by the end of the year. We got another big day coming in December. It's called Christmas. So maybe you've heard of it. But that's another time where people are, again, open to an invitation. It's a nice, easy way to invite someone to come and hear about Jesus. And again, these numbers aren't, we don't do this so that we can have more attendance and, you know, float offering numbers or anything like that. Every person is a soul that's going to spend eternity somewhere. And we try to remember that. We try to keep that at the front of what we do. Every number is a person. And everybody that comes through our door, we want them to hear about Jesus. And if there is something that we do try to do well, it is keep Jesus at the front of everything that we do. We, we take communion every week so that we can remember Jesus is the reason why we're here. I try to, in every sermon, hit home with Jesus. I don't want to be the hero of any message. I don't want our church to be the hero of any message. Jesus always has to be the hero. And so if someone comes here, we want them to hear about Christ. And so, so far, we're making some pretty good progress on this year. And I just wanted to share that and, and just celebrate that that's awesome. And, you know, we didn't just focus on um, inviting people. We've made a couple of changes along the way. You know, we made some changes to the bulletin. And we took out some, um, some stuff and we put in more um, things that aren't going to change every week that just include some basic information that when someone comes into our building, they might want to know. And some of you might think, that makes the bulletin more pointless for me. And let me just say, if you're a regular, yes, it does. And I apologize for that. But... If you are going to someplace you've never been, having a little bit more information, a little bit more of a roadmap can make finding your way around a lot easier. And so we want to think about people who are coming in the first time. They don't know what's going on. They don't know what to do beyond church. They don't know a, a lot of what we do. And what's interesting is we have a lot of people who found their way in who grew up Catholic or grew up Lutheran or grew up Methodist. And they have their idea of what church is and then they come in here and like, oh no, this is different than what I thought. Now I'm even more lost than I was expecting to be. We just want to help people have ways around. Another thing we've done some work on is our website. We've done some work on our website because a lot of people, before they come in here, they want to check us out online. They want to say, okay, how weird is this going to be? You know, they want to know because they expect church is going to be weird and scary and strange. So let me get a gauge for how weird it's going to be. And so we want to check. Uh, we went, uh, did some work on our website so that it's a more honest representation of what we are. We had a professional photographer come in last year in December and take some pictures of our church so that what people see online actually is going to be what they see when they show up here. Uh, we've put some work into the I'm New page of our website, which is where we kind of provide all the information that someone might need to visit our church. Uh, you might have seen me walking around with that camera with a big, dumb, fluffy thing on it a, a few weeks ago. Uh, I was making just kind of a video saying, if you come to church, here's what a typical Sunday would look like, and just walking somebody through coming in the door, finding a seat. What's the sermon going to be like? How long are we going to be here? Just kind of answering some of those basic questions in a visual way so that they could see what it's going to be like. And again, just extra things that we can do, anything we can do to remove any sort of barrier to somebody wanting to give uh, church a chance. Another thing we've added is the next step class. Oh, we changed the welcome time too. Let me get, there, get to that first. We changed how we talk during the welcome time. I say usually, hi, my name is Anthony Bliss, and most of you are like, I know your name is Anthony Bliss. I get it. You know, I've heard your name. You're sick of me saying it. You're probably sick of me saying, you know, we're going to be here about an hour. Uh, the kids will be dismissed in about 15 minutes. Uh, you, you, you've heard me say all that stuff. But again, somebody who's new, 
They don't know any of that. And they're wondering. The number one question guys ask when they go to church for the first time is, how long am I stuck here? That's just true. When first time guys go into church, how long am I going to be stuck here? That's what, I, that's what I think anytime I leave my house, but that's just because I'm an introvert. But the first time, that's what people are thinking. And so why can't we just alleviate that question so that they can get that out of the way and focus on what we're trying to do here? Um, another thing we do is we have offered a next steps class. This is... Um, a, a way to kind of help people say, okay, what do I do now that I've been to church? Well, the, the idea is that it's kind of the obvious next step for anybody once they've come to the service and been here a few times. Anytime anybody's ready to do anything more than just this, anytime anybody's ready to take any steps of growth to, beyond this, that's the place to go. It's your next step beyond attending on a Sunday morning. And we do that every first Sunday of the month, which is today, by the way. So if anybody wants to come to that, you go right out these doors as soon as the service is over, hang a right, go to the last room, down that hallway on the right side. I'll be in there, and we'll be ready to talk about um, what you can do, what, what are your next steps of faith to grow beyond just attending. Because, again, we don't want to just get people in the service. We don't just want to count numbers. We, we want to actually help people meet Christ, be saved by Him, and have a growing relationship that lasts a lifetime. And then we've got lots of other stuff that we're, you know, working on throughout the course of the years, things that we've still got um, ready to uh, come up as we go on. We've got a, we're going to put a, hopefully a welcome desk and a team in place. Uh, Sean Mudd built us a really nice, beautiful desk that we're going to be using for that. Um, I think I've got somebody to maybe head that up, and I think... The idea between a welcome desk is, okay, where do I go for information? Again, we want to make an obvious spot. Here, this is the place you go to get information and to kind of make that a one-stop shop for all the things that maybe anybody would, would need information about. Um, things like you want to sign up to bring food for VBS? Welcome desk. Uh, you want to sign up for the next step class? Well, you can do that at the welcome desk if you'd like to. You want to talk about a growth group? Get in a growth group. Learn more about growth groups. Go to the welcome desk. Uh, you want to uh, sign up your kids? When you come into church on a Sunday morning, go to the welcome desk. Like We kind of want to make that kind of an obvious go-to place for things. And then another thing we're, we're prepping to do is put together a community outreach team where we will actually just have an active presence in our community. And I think the way we're going to try to do that is by, rather than doing our own things most of the time, is just by partnering with what the town and people are already doing so that we are working with people in the community to bless our community and kind of augment or come alongside and, and supplement a little bit of what is already happening here, just again, so that we can just show our community that we love them and that we care and that God loves them and they aren't forgotten by his church. Um, which, by the way, if you have any interest in something like that, let me know. We're, again, we're looking for people. We're putting together that team as we speak. Um, but I got to say, I'm just absolutely floored by the change that happened in six short months of us trying to just be healthier and identifying where we were, were not maybe the healthiest and trying to be better and paying attention and having a plan and moving forward. And, man, everybody just kind of owned up to it and, and, and embraced that. And, and I don't, I don't want to say, good job, you're off the hook now. No, it's like, this is great. Let's keep this momentum going. There are people in this world who need to hear about Jesus. If you're a Christian and you're glad that he has saved you, if you're grateful for what he's done for you, imagine what somebody else could experience with that. Why would you keep that to yourself? And one of my favorite um, quotes about Christianity um, actually comes from an atheist, Penn Gillette. Penn and Teller, He's the one that talks, by the way, um, but he's an atheist, and he says, if I ever meet a Christian and they don't try to share Jesus with me, I have no respect for them. He's like, because from a Christian standpoint, I am a sinner who's on the road to hell, and they have the way to save me, and if they say nothing to me, that means they care nothing for me, and that tells me that they aren't following their faith very well, 
And I was like, ooh, boy, that really hits you in the eyes when an atheist calls us out <laughs> that, that clearly and hits it home, honestly, more than most of us would think about on a daily basis. And so the idea is that there's a world out there who, who God came to save. He loves every one of them. They need to know that. Why would we keep that to ourselves? And so I would just... Um, reinforce something that I said in January. Again, most of you weren't here, so you probably haven't been doing it because of the snow, I think. Snow, ice, who knows what it was with this weather lately. Um, but um, in January, I basically said I would encourage everyone here to think of three people who don't know Christ, who aren't Christians, and begin praying for them. Begin praying for an opportunity that maybe you could share faith with them in a way that would be helpful, a way that they might be eager to listen to, a way that they might just um, be open to. Um, just pray that God might open that door, that you might be able to share faith with three people. Just pick three. Maybe if you want to start somewhere, pick one and just begin praying for that person every day and think, how can I share this faith that God has blessed me with? How can I share that with somebody else? And so I would encourage you to do that um, because you have no greater calling than to lead the people in your sphere of influence to Christ. We, you have no better calling than to be fishers of women and men. And this work is work that makes an eternal difference. I mean, how much work do we do every day? How much effort do we put in to something that's not even going to last a year or a week? You know how much energy and sweat is, is broken or spilled out every summer just to pull weeds out of your garden? Just to see them pop back up next week? Well, I mean, we're willing to spend hours sweating, getting blisters, you know, scraping up our knees, crawling to pull weeds. For a, a week-long, two-week-long difference. But this is work that will last and make an eternal difference. Work that enables us not just to increase attendance. That's not what it's about. But it's about bringing the saving message of Jesus to a lost world that he loves and that he gave everything for. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful for all that you have done in our lives. We're grateful people. For those of us who have already given our lives to you, we are grateful for the salvation that we have through Christ. We are grateful for the forgiveness of our sins that we did not earn in the slightest, but it is a gift purely of grace, purely out of your love and care for us. And so I pray that our gratitude for that gift would drive us to share that gift with other people, that we would not hoard it to ourselves out of fear or even a lack of care for the world around us, but we would be so filled with gratitude for the fact that you saved us and that you want to save other people that you love them as much as you love us. And so, Father, I pray that that would drive us to share our faith, that, that we would be so full of gr gratitude that it would just kind of spill over as we talk and as we engage with people in every circle of our lives. So thank you again for, for helping us have this mission. Thank you for giving us a calling that makes an eternal difference. And thank you, Father, just that you, you've asked us to play a part in, in what you're doing in the world. You didn't just do the work, but you, you actually gave us a purpose and a place in this plan, a purpose and a place and, and a front row seat to see you work life change through us. And that is just really amazing that you would allow us to be a part of your, your amazing work. So let us not take this responsibility lightly. Let us not expect the fish to jump on our boat or to jump onto our dinner plates, but let us be fishers of women and men and let us make disciples of all nations going wherever you've called us to go. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.